thanks to our service leader and the worship team. Shalom gracious to the church on site and the church online. Today, the big difference is uh, you either see me on a small screen or you see me on a big screen. A special welcome to those of, uh, of you who have just joined Grace Assembly. We praise God for additions to His kingdom despite the less than ideal situation that we are all in. Now, as the world adapts, we rejoice with small wins every day towards new normalcy. This week, we saw the opening of the vaccinated travel lane to South Korea. How many of you have already booked your flights and accommodations for your favourite kimchi and bibimbap? The closest I'm going to get to a taste of South Korea was watching the finale to the drama series Wonder Woman, which my daughter introduced us to. But for the rest of you, I understand that the travel bug is more potent than the COVID bug. So COVID or not, here we come. Well, no prizes for guessing today's sermon title, Vaccinated Travel Lane, or VTL for short. If you don't already know what VTL is, let me just explain. VTL is the arrangement uh, that Singapore has with certain countries allowing quarantine-free travel. The criterion is not whether you have the time or the finances to travel, but whether you have been fully vaccinated according to the varying requirements of the country of choice. Comedian Julia Rossi noted, in 2019, people are jealous of your vacation photos, but in 2021, they are jealous of your vaccination photos. Which leads us to the most climatic event in the whole of Israel's history, her miraculous deliverance in the crossing of the sea to freedom. In fact, Exodus means way out. It was Israel's way out of slavery, away from the oppression of the Egyptians, to form a new nation under Yahweh. It is not only remarkable as a historic event, but more so in how that event happened. So in this sermon, we will see, which is our big idea, how God makes a way through impossibilities to glorify His own name. Those of you online, type in the chat, glorify. So why the dramatic rescue? Today, let me give you three reasons. First, God makes a way through impossibilities to glorify His name so that we can see His mighty power. Type in the chat, power. If for Yahweh to get the glory, the situation must be clearly impossible. Let's pick up that story, reading from Exodus 14, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahiroth, between Migdol and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Note how the story is set up with names of actual locations, Pihahiroth, Migdol, and Baal Zephon. 3,500 years have since passed and no one today is sure where these places that are explicitly mentioned here are. One thing that is sure is that these were actual geographical locations known to the readers then. So why the details? To show that this event really did occur. This was not an airy-fairy tale or myth, not the once upon a time in La La Land. No. Whenever Israel recounted the Exodus, it was a real event that happened at a certain time and in a certain space in their redemptive history. 
we can see how powerful Yahweh was because this was not just one miracle, but it was really one out of two. We read of the first miracle in verses 21 to 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. I'm sure you've seen the movies. You know what happened? Yahweh parted the sea so that his people can cross over safely on dry ground. Imagine the men, the women, the children, and the cattle. Scholars claim that it would have taken them four hours to cross. So we know that it must have been quite wide. What we don't know was how deep the waters were. The skeptics readily point out that this would not have been that big a deal if the waters were shallow to begin with. Now, if you believe that, then there is a second even greater miracle, which is the drowning of the Egyptians on such shallow waters. Verses 26 to 29, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So if the theory of the waters being shallow is accurate, then the greater miracle here is how Pharaoh and his chariots could become so immobilized and drowned by such shallow waters when the sea returned to its normal course. So which, which to believe? Drowning by shallow waters or parting of the deep waters to reveal the dry passage? I'm thankful that the scriptures record both the people of God crossing over on dry ground and the drowning of Pharaoh and his host when the waters returned so that there will be no argument as to what the miracle was and what power our God unleashed that fateful day. And so Exodus 14 closes with this, verse 31, A, Israel saw the great power the Lord used against the Egyptians. Are you facing an impossible situation even right now? You see, from the human point of view, there was no way out for Israel. They were hemmed in, the sea in front of them, Pharaoh and his host behind them. But our God specializes in making a way where there isn't one. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, God says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now when Mary heard the news from the angel that she was going to bear a child, but she, she was a virgin and so she asked the angel how this could be possible. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, the angel said, For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, God's power has no limits. He's the creator who can make something from nothing. What's your impossible situation? Bring it to God. Remember, our God is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. He can make a way through your seemingly impossible situation to glorify His own name. Amen. Second, God makes a way through impossibilities to glorify His own name so that 
all will know that Yahweh alone is the Lord. Type in the chat, Lord. For Yahweh to get the glory, it must be clearly Him alone who is at work. Verse 4, And I will, I meaning God, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Yahweh heard and remembered Pharaoh's taunt when Moses requested for Israel's release way back where? In Exodus chapter 5, verse 2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Well, Pharaoh is going to find out soon enough who this God is. To his foolish taunt, who is the Lord? I don't know him. Yahweh would now answer. But he alone would determine when and where the showdown would take place. If you remember in our Supernatural series, we saw how Christ laid the trap for Satan by baiting him. Satan thought by killing the Son of God, all attempts by Yahweh to save and deliver humankind would be over. But he played right into God's hand. Christ's subsequent death, burial, and resurrection completely overturned Satan's plan. We see the same thing happening here. Yahweh laid the trap for Pharaoh to show his own glory. The stage was set, and one by one, the pieces fell into place. First, Pharaoh suddenly came to his senses after letting the Israelites go. He regretted allowing this workforce to go scot-free. And then the Israelites appeared to be lost in the wilderness without a GPS. That was a weakness that Pharaoh could exploit. But from last week's sermon, you would know that Israel's apparent confusion in her navigation was a deliberate act of God. It was to lure Pharaoh and all his hosts out, thinking that Israel would be an easy target. The battle, if any, was going to be swift and simple, so think Pharaoh. His confidence was again further boosted by the power of his elite army and all his chariots. He was sure that he had, had enough horsepower not only to overtake Israel, but to overcome whatever feeble resistance they could muster. He counted more than 600 chariots. But little did he know the odds that he was really up against. Psalm 68 verse 17a. The psalmist says the chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. But do you know Yahweh did not have to resort to use even one that day to trounce Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He was bent on capturing the Israelites. Three times in Exodus 14, it is said that the Lord hardened the Egyptians' hearts. So how do we understand this? Was it the Pharaoh who hardened his heart or was it God who hardened his heart? The Bible tells us that it was Pharaoh who first hardened his heart. In time, it got to the point where there was no repentance possible. A frightening thought indeed. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Paul said, Do you presume on the riches of His, meaning God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your heart and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. A sober warning for us. If we persist in resisting God and choosing to continue in sin, despite repeated warnings from the Lord, there will come a time when repentance is not possible. Our sinful will 
will be like the locked and clogged wheels of Pharaoh's chariots, stuck in the mire, unable to get free apart from the mercy and the grace of God. How else did Yahweh show that he was God alone? Verses 19 and 20. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. So on Israel's side of the pillar, there was light, but on the Egyptian side was darkness. And when they saw God's people crossing on dry ground, verses 23 to 25, it tells us, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. The morning watch is from 2 to 6 a.m. How is this fact significant? Well, you, you, you might have remembered about the sun god Ra or Re, which is a, you know, a drop of golden sun. He was the greatest of all Egyptian gods. He was the pride of Egypt, the creator of their light and of their life. But by keeping the Egyptian side in the dark while Israel had light was an affront to Ra. Moreover, during the morning watch from 2 to 6 a.m., Ra was still fast asleep. Not a good time for him to fight on Pharaoh's behalf. And so Yahweh's presence through the pillar of fire and of the cloud drove Pharaoh and his army of chariots into a panic. Ra could not deliver them. Yahweh showed his supremacy over the gods of Egypt in that he was God of the light as well as of the darkness. An attribute that is repeated in Psalm 139 verse 12. But the psalmist said, Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. This passage holds one more clue to show that there is no other God except Yahweh. What does the, the two words, waters dividing, remind you of? Well, the answer is, yes, it's the creation story. In Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in the ancient Near Eastern worldview, Waters depict chaos, something that you cannot control, a tempest, an unruly beast. But at creation, God separated the waters to form the sky and the sea, and again gathered all the waters together in one place to form the dry land earth and then the seas, to prove that He was the Lord over even the waters. Something similar took place when Israel crossed over the dry land. It was as if God was creating a new people, Israel. Thus to Israel, Yahweh revealed himself as their Redeemer, their Savior, their Deliverer, and even their Creator. There was and would never be another God like Yahweh. Do you know Yahweh alone is God? In choosing the time and determining the place for the showdown with Pharaoh, Yahweh was thus glorified. He was not a God that needed a perfect an ideal control situation before he could accomplish his purposes. Indeed, he is God above all gods, the Elohim of Elohim. Verse 18, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, 
his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians did finally confess that Yahweh alone was the Lord, but it was too late. When they realized that, they were sitting ducks when the waters returned, so that they died with that knowledge and revelation. Some people will persist in ignoring God, even though there might have been numerous encounters with Him. On their deathbeds, uh, they might eventually confess His Lordship. And prayerfully, it will not be too late, unlike Pharaoh and his host. Well, let it be known today that Yahweh is the Lord, and no one and nothing can be compared with Him. The disciples marveled at Jesus and said, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey Him? Matthew 8, 27. Is anything too hard for God? Is there anything He cannot do? No and no, because He alone is the Lord over all. Amen. Now, if you believe this to be true, don't delay. Make your decision to accept Him and call on Him as your Lord today. Finally, third, God makes a way through impossibilities to glorify His own name so that we will trust Him with our lives. Type in the chat, trust. For Yahweh to get the glory, His people must trust Him with their lives. You see, God's vaccinated travel lane is reserved for those who are His loyal believers. Those who are willing to obey Him whatever the cost and whatever it takes. Now, the obedience will naturally be tested when you and I are faced with life-threatening situations. For them, verse 10a, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. The Israelites were doing reasonably well in high spirits after leaving Egypt with their hands full. But all that changed when they saw Pharaoh in hot pursuit. Catching up on them, they promptly gave up a ghost. Verses 10 to 12. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is it not this we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Fearing for their lives, they started to complain to the Lord and also to Moses. They said to Moses, Moses, you have made a grave mistake, uh, pun intended. They said, better to die and be buried in Egypt than out here in the wilderness. Egypt was universally known for their exceptional embalming services. So Israel still had a slave mentality. You know the saying, you can take Israel out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of Israel. So they forgot they were now under new management. They were no longer slaves, but free. But still, they were still thinking with that slave mentality. Moses was quick to remind them of their new status. Verses 13 and 14, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Amen. What an encouragement. Fear not, stand firm, be silent, and see the salvation of the Lord. You know what fear does? Fear will stop you from thinking straight. 
you can't act. Despair will knock you to the ground. You won't act. Desperation will cause you to give up. You stop acting. Impatience will mess up your decisions. You will act foolishly. And presumption will trip up your timing. You will act prematurely. And you may even get into the waters before the waters are parted. Moses said, the Lord will fight for you. Not only Moses said that, guess what? The enemy, the, the Egyptians said that as well, verse 25b. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Do you need the Lord to fight for you today? I've got good news for you. Maybe you've cut your ties, maybe you've burned your bridges, and there's now no way of reverting or turning back. It's like the song that says, the cross is before you, and the world is behind you. You need to know that with God, nothing is impossible. There is no problem too big, no mountain too tall, no river too wide that is beyond our God's reach. No matter how bleak, how hopeless, how futile, how weak, how far we are from God, He is just as close as the mention of His name. I'm reminded that when I brought my grandma to the Lord, I wasn't thinking of the consequence for her nor for me. So as she was the designated joystick burner for my mom's deities, imagine the fate my mom was in when she found the family altar unattended, accusing me of causing trouble in the home. Well, I kept my peace and prayed that my grandma won't buckle under the pressure and forsake Christ. I needed the Lord to intervene in the delicate situation since I was the instigator and the culprit. Now, thankfully, my grandma did not recant her newfound faith, and somehow my mom also stopped persecuting the both of us. So it was with great joy that years later, both my grandma and I witnessed my mom coming to faith. So don't lose heart. Your situation may seem difficult or even impossible, but not to the Lord who fights for you. We will be praying with you and for you at the end of this sermon for the Lord to come through for you in your situation. So hang on. So yes, though Israel's situation was dire, Yahweh was the one who was going to fight for them. They would not have to lift even a finger. But that didn't mean they didn't have to actively obey. Verses 16, 21 and 26. God told Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon your horsemen. You will notice that while it was Moses who obeyed Yahweh by stretching out his hand twice, the Bible is, is explicit that it was the Lord who did the miraculous. This is where we get to partner with God. He is the one who fights for us, but there is also something that we must do. And so the people obeyed and went forward into the midst of the sea on dry ground and saw the aftermath of the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore after the waters returned. Pharaoh and his host embarked on a sure wind campaign, and so they pursued the Israelites all the way, thinking it would be a quick victory. That was what it looked like from the outside, yet they had missed one crucial factor. The tables were turned on them because the battle was Yahweh's, and he fought on behalf of his people, the Israelites. So do you trust God with your life? You need to know that 
the Israelites were in a fix between the Pharaoh and the Deep Blue Sea, not because of their own folly, sin, or undoing. It was under the direction of Yahweh who intended his people to learn firsthand what a great and mighty deliverer he was. Chapter 14 ends with verse 31. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his in his servant Moses. When Israel saw the glory of their God, they were in awe and trusted him with their lives. Did their trust in Yahweh last? Well, sadly, no. The crossing of the sea is recounted as the pride of Israel and also their pain. That day they saw the power of God and found a new respect and reverence for the Lord and believed in Him. But despite such a once-in-human-history event, Israel failed to be faithful to Yahweh. Isn't that like us to quickly forget all that the Lord has done for us? Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 29 to Thomas, Say, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So for Jesus, the order is not see, revere, and you will believe, but to revere, believe, and then you will see the power of God. Amen. So like the song says, there can be miracles when you believe. Exodus 14 teaches us that God makes a way through impossibilities to glorify His own name so that we can see His mighty power manifested in our situation. Second, all will know that He alone is God above every other God. And third, we, we can and will trust Him with our lives. Friends, I don't know if you're facing an, an impossible situation uh, right now. Do you need the Lord to fight for you? Before the service leader comes up to pray with you and for you, I would like to speak to two groups. The first group, perhaps you are in a seemingly impossible situation because you had, you had obeyed God. Be it bringing a family member to Christ and this has caused strong objections from the rest. The situation is tense at home. Or standing up for your faith at work or in school and you feel that you're being disadvantaged now. Your classmates, your colleagues, and your supervisors are making things difficult for you. Or, through no fault of your own, you are suffering from a serious illness. And there is the fear of the unknown, as you have always been healthy. And this threatens your plans for the future. Now, if that is you, I would like you to type in the chat, I need prayer. For those of you on site, when we call for prayer, you can either stand or lift up your hand to indicate that you too need prayer for your situation. And that's the first group. Uh, the second group, you are in, a, in an impossible situation because you did something wrong and you are now suffering the consequence. And you're asking, will God fight for me? Let me share with you a short testimony. When we were requested to pray for someone who had done something illegal, and was sure to be imprisoned. He was out of his wits, fearing the consequences. Yet, as we were praying, I felt that this person was truly repentant. But I had no idea how God would intervene in this situation. 
as he had brought this upon himself. So to cut the short story even shorter, he was imprisoned, yes, just as he feared. But he was released much, much earlier than anyone expected. I heard that he was so relieved and happy because God had answered his prayers despite his own folly. Amen. Our God is a gracious and loving God. If for some reason today you're in the same boat as, as this person, I want you to know that our God is merciful to forgive and mighty to save when we confess our sins before Him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you are in this second category, type in the chat, pray for me. As the service leader comes, if you want to see God make a way through the impossibilities in your life, you need to trust Him with your life and remember to give Him all the glory when He answers your petition. Let us stand. Hallelujah. Come on church, let us stand in the presence of God. The Word of God has shared by Pastor Ming Chan said that God makes a way through impossibilities to glorify His own name. I don't know about you, your situation right now, but if you are facing an impossible situation, a seemingly impossible situation just now, as our Pastor Ming Chan makes the call, if it's you, you can just raise your hand to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Just now I saw in the chat, many of many raised, many type in the chat that they need prayer. If you need prayer right now, can you just leave your hand to the Lord right now? Hallelujah. You are facing an impossible situations. It be your family situation, your work situations, your health situations. You tell the Lord, Lord, to intervene right now in your situations. Hallelujah. And for the second group of people, we know that God is merciful and gracious. And He is ready to forgive and He's ready to fight for us. If you need God's forgiveness for whatever you have done in the past and you want to say, Lord, I confess, I come to you, Lord, fight and intervene in my situation. If that is you, can you just lift your hand to the Lord right now as well? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, you make a way in the wilderness and you open rivers in the desert, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, you are a way maker, you are a miracle and a promise keeper. And Lord, you see the hands that are lifted up and those who have indicated, Lord, they need an intervention in their life. Lord, for those who are in a seemingly impossible situation this morning, Lord, perhaps they are facing a strong objections or persecution because of their faith in you at home and at work or because of, oh Lord Jesus, they are facing a seemingly impossible situations in their career, in their businesses. Lord, we ask today that you, you as a way maker, you will make a way, oh Lord, for them in the wilderness and you open rivers for them in the desert, oh Lord. Lord, let their families, let their classmates, let their colleagues, their supervisors see that you alone is God. Hallelujah. And Lord, we also pray for those, oh Lord Jesus, who have lifted their hands because they're suffering, Lord, from an illness this morning. Oh Lord Jesus, we ask, oh Lord Jesus, that you will come and touch them in your own special ways. Lord, we submit all our worries, all our fears to you, oh Father. May you exchange them with your divine peace, grant us faith, and help us. 
to place our trust in you, Lord Jesus. Or because, Lord, you are our Jehovah Rapha. You are willing and you are willing and you are able to heal. So, Lord, may you stretch out your hands and touch our brothers and sisters right now who need a touch of healing right now. Whether it's on site or online, your respective homes, Lord Jesus. Lord, may you touch them right now. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. And for the last group of you, you are seeking God's forgiveness. As, they, as you confess your sins, your weaknesses to the Lord, may the Lord shower you with His grace and mercies and forgive you because our God is a promise keeper. And the word says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Will be saved. So Lord, may you turn their sorrow into joy and may you fight for them, O Lord Jesus. Lord, we declare victory in the name of Jesus. May we see a mighty power manifest in our lives as we trust and submit to your Lordship. And may those surround us, O Lord Jesus, see your hands in our lives and give you all the glory. And right now, O Father, we pray that you will deliver us because, Lord, you love us and you care for us, O Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.